Cyber experts say that the drumbeat of newspaper headlines trumpeting the next big breach shows how precarious even the best of cyber defenses are. I'm Geeta Nandikotkur, Managing Editor, Asia and Middle East with Information Security Media Group. I have with me Zulfikar Ramzan, Chief Technology Officer at RSA, who says that the companies did everything they were supposed to do and still lost their data. He thinks it's clear that the cyber security playbook needs to be rewritten. As a keynote speaker at RSA Conference Asia Pacific and Japan, held in Singapore from July 22nd to 24th, Ramzan offers insights on, you have done everything right and still there is a breach. Now what? Welcome Ramzan and thanks for joining the discussion. Well, thank you for having me here. You rightly said that enterprises are doing everything that is possible and everything right in their own way, but still this breach exists. So where do you think are the shortcomings? So I think one of the critical shortcomings is in the core mindset around how to deal with and address information security in light of all the changes that have taken place in the last few years with regard to the threat landscape. It used to be the case in security five or maybe 10 or 15 years ago that the focus was primarily on prevention of attacks. If I can stop the attack from taking place, then it's a very powerful way to approach things. The reality, however, is that as attackers evolve, as they get more sophisticated, it's pretty clear that trying to prevent every attack upfront is no longer going to be successful. And for example, if you look at the most motivated, most critical attackers out there, the ones who are well-resourced, who are targeting you specifically, it's clear that no matter how high the castle wall or how deep you dig a moat, they'll find ways around it, above it, underneath it, or even through it. And so we're starting to advocate to our customers is to change their mindset away from this perimeter or prevention-based thinking towards what to do in the event of an incident. How do you address areas like incident response? How do you get visibility into what happened in the organization in the aftermath breach? And the way I like to think about it is that for me, there's a distinction between an intrusion and a breach. If you look in the physical world, if I had a bank and I wanted to prevent the bank from getting robbed, I could build a stronger front door. I could try to stop the bank robber from even entering the bank in the first place. But there's a good chance he'll be able to find a way into the front doors of the bank. And yet, the goal of the bank robber is not to get in the front doors. The goal of the bank robber is to walk out the back with the money inside the vault. And so in much the same way with an information security, we've got to think about how do we look past those initial preventative measures that are going to fail? And how do we build better response capabilities and visibility capabilities so that when those initial prevention mechanisms fail, we'll find ways to address the situation without resulting in a major breach. Uh, having said that, there are a lot of concerns among the practitioners. They feel that, okay, there is a drive. They are willing to take up new challenges, but there is no enough direction coming from the top management. And unlike the Western world, the Asian market looks a direction. So what is your take on that? Right. I think you're absolutely on point with regard to the need for direction at a high level. What we're seeing now more and more, especially in the United States and in the Western world, is the idea that security is no longer just confined to the specialists within IT. Security Security is becoming a board level issue, a CEO level issue. And that makes sense when you think about what happens in a breach. Oftentimes breaches are followed by things like shareholder lawsuits. They're followed by people getting fired, often very high level people losing their jobs. And when that starts to happen, there's now a very clear incentive for the top management to figure out what they need to do. The challenge is that there's a lot of market confusion. There's so many people out there who advocate very old and outdated ways of thinking about the problem. And what we've got to be able to do is really educate the market on the right approaches, how to really think about the security landscape correctly, how to interpret the data that's out there about attacks and get a better handle on who is targeting you, what they're after, and what the best and most effective measures are for addressing them. 
There's also a discussion around spending, enough spending on security to get your frameworks done, you set your platforms. But the practitioners argue that, okay, going by the examples set in the U.S. market and the recent breaches, the companies have spent enough on security, despite that breaches happen. So what is your take on the spending? So I think there's two dimensions along which you have to look at spending. The first question is how much you spend. And the second question is how do you spend it? And I would argue even still that we're probably underspending relative to the threats out there. It's pretty clear that organizations are moving more and more resources online. They've got more and more critical information assets. And if they look at the value of those assets, they've got to think about their security spending as a function of the value of the assets they're trying to protect. As you protect more and more valuable assets, you have to increase the spending required to protect those assets. The second critical question is how you actually allocate that spending. And here I think we can do a lot better. Here we actually have a fixed pie. And the question is, how do we divide that pie up into different areas? So we did some research recently. We found that that on average, most customers spend about 80% of their budget on preventative technologies. They spend about 15% on monitoring capabilities, and then they spend about 5% on response capabilities. And yet, if you look at the way the threat landscape is trending, it's pretty clear that that split is not adequate. It's not addressing the issues we're facing today. So my belief is that we have to spend our money and our budget in a much more equitable fashion. Spend roughly a third of your budget on prevention, spend roughly a third of your budget on monitoring and detection, and spend roughly a third of your budget on response. I think if you make that allocation change, that will do you far better service than trying to focus on yesterday's approaches for dealing with today's problems. Since uh, Ramzan, you have had stints at various places and you have seen the enterprises growing. So there's a lot of challenge with regard to the role itself, the CISO role. And when you talk about budgets, then the allocation of across each of the segments that you mentioned becomes a challenge, like who needs to allocate? Who takes the call to address this issue? So I think there's two things happening right now when it comes to the role of the CISO that are important to understand. Uh, the first role that the CISO has to struggle with is that in many ways, the nature of their job on a day-to-day basis has shifted fundamentally. Five or 10 years ago, if a company wanted to deploy a new technology in their environment, they would start working with the CISO very early on. The CISO would be involved in helping make a decision about the risk impact of that technology and would even have a vote in whether or not that technology should be procured or purchased or even deployed in the first place. With the advent of things like cloud services, that has changed dramatically. Nowadays, you can have an organization literally deploy a technology within the business unit without anybody even knowing it's there. And then the CISO is basically forced at that point to address what's happened. And one of our customers I was talking to recently, they're um, a CIO. And it's interesting, he was telling me that if he starts saying no to too many things, if he starts saying we can't do this or we can't do that, it's too risky, they're not going to call him the CIO anymore. They're going to call him the CIO instead. And he said, that's not a good thing to be called. On the flip side, if he starts acquiescing and agreeing to doing things that are maybe not in the best interest of the risk posture of the company, and the company gets compromised, and the resulting breach is going to be basically pinned on him, that's also a career-limiting distinction for him. And so he finds himself in many ways traipsing across a razor-thin line where he can't go right either way. So that's the first element. On the flip side, on a positive note, we're seeing our CIOs and our CISOs have much deeper visibility into upper management and to the board than they've ever had in the past. Security is no longer just something that's confined to specialists in the field. It has become a board level issue. And from that perspective, a lot of our customers say that getting the resources they need has been much less of an issue because they can literally make a case in front of their executive team, in front of their board of directors. And they're getting the budgets they need in many cases and often being told by the board that they practically have a blank check to address some of the issues. Because 
because the board looks at issues like IT security risk and they understand that that could have an impact on compliance, on fines, on regulatory compliance. If an organization gets breached, they've got to think about issues like shareholder lawsuits to address what's happening to their shareholders. And all of that really starts to translate those information security issues into actual dollars and cents that can be fully appreciated and rationalized and understood by people at the highest levels. Coming to this technology, the most challenging part at this point of time is technology sprawl, which has led to a lot of vulnerabilities. So do you have uh, recommendations for the CISOs in terms of how do they invest their budgets on various technologies or various platforms while they plan for incident response mechanisms? Right. So we really tell our CISOs and other customers to really focus on visibility as a foundation for security. Understand what's happening across all your different assets. And visibility, by the way, is is a fairly broad term. It's a monolithic term, but underneath it, there's a much richer mosaic of issues that go on. So visibility for me means, first of all, network visibility, being able to look at your logs, your NetFlow data, all the way to being able to do full packet capture. And I believe that dealing with a lot of the issues we see today from a security perspective involves having full packet capture capabilities so you can deeply and richly understand what happened in the aftermath of a breach. And then going beyond just the network, the other really critical area from a security perspective is looking at the endpoints, because ultimately, the endpoints are the scene of the crime. That's where the malware is running. To get deep visibility in the endpoints, you've got to have solutions that can look at the endpoint, understand what processes and programs are running on the endpoint, how those processes got there, who they're communicating with, and so on and so forth. Then beyond just the network and the endpoint, the other area is cloud. We're seeing more and more companies leverage cloud services. And visibility into the cloud requires different mechanisms. It requires integration with APIs provided by cloud providers. It requires having access to cloud traffic and being able to parse that traffic and understand it, and so on and so forth. And then finally, one subtle point around visibility is having visibility into identities, being able to understand which user access what resource at what time and for what reason. The reason identity is important is that in the aftermath of a breach, that's the critical question you have to answer is who accessed what? and what do they get away with? It's very difficult to answer that question if you haven't put the right thought in place, the right plumbing in place around identity. And kind of coming full circle, to me, identity is foundational in security. It's the cornerstone because ultimately security is about ensuring that only the right people have access to the right resources at the right times. And that comes down to a question of understanding identity. So we tell our customers, use visibility as your platform because if you can't see what's going on in your environment, it doesn't matter what you do from that point onward, you're not going to be able to protect yourself. So finally, I would like to understand where are the uh, innovations happening? What kind of innovations happening with regard to breach response mechanisms? And how is it being extended to the practitioners? So from a breach response perspective, I think there's several different layers of innovation occurring. So there's definitely innovation in terms of being able to gather visibility. You know, we've talked about the idea of things like full packet capture. That is a relatively recent concept. We have the last five to six years, it's been coming into vogue. Areas like cloud visibility, very, very recent concept. Being able to gather data across endpoints, also a very recent concept. And so that's the first area, really being able to have the plumbing and infrastructure in place to gather data. Then moving past the visibility, the next really big area of innovation is how do you gain insight from that visibility? Gathering data is one thing, being able to use that data in a knowledgeable way is quite another. And so we're seeing a big intersection between security and analytics, being able to leverage techniques from data science, whether it's machine learning or other areas, and being able to extract insights from your data. Then the final area of innovation to me is how you can take action based on that insight. How do you take those insights and 
and leverage them and do something useful to ultimately reduce risk for organizations. The common thread across all of this for organizations, and one thread that's going to become really, really critical moving forward, is how do I take the lowest level IT security risk issues, whether it's a buffer overflow or a SQL injection or a piece of malware, and translate that all the way up to the highest level of organizational risk issues? Because that is the key issue is how do you take the lowest level issue from one person and make that understood by your board of directors and your CEO and have a common framework for talking about these issues in a way that each person can understand and where each stakeholder can understand what they need and get out of that process what they need to get out of it. Thanks, Ramza. Absolutely. It was my pleasure and I really enjoyed having a chance to talk to you, Geeta. You are listening to Zulfikar Ramzan on ways to build a breach response mechanism to protect your organization from cyber attacks. This is Geeta Nandikotkur from ISMG.